All right, everybody. Hey, if you are standing, stay standing. If you sat, could you just stand real quick? We're going to read the scriptures together today. Good morning, Riverbend. How is everyone today? Does anyone else get their screen time report on Sundays? Mine just popped up and it's devastating. So we're going to get into it. Sorry, my mind's just all over the place now. I have to ask myself where did I use all that time this week. Anyway, um, more importantly, we are going to read the scriptures today. I'm really excited about it. Welcome to church. So glad that you're here. I know so many of you have either been sick or are getting sick, and there's a ton of people out today, but thank you for coming to church and spending your Sunday with us. Uh, every single week, we read the scriptures. We believe in the power of the word. We believe in the power of God's word and scriptures together. And so we uh, take a moment before our gathering, and we just pause, and we read the scripture that we're going to be focusing on today out loud together. So if you would please, I think it's on the screen behind us. Let's read this out loud together. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This, is, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you here and we slow our physical bodies down and we in turn slow our minds down and we just want to give you our attention this morning. Many of us are coming into this week or this morning with having a full week. Some of us have lost greatly this week. Some have gained much. Some have had their uh, world or experience just flipped upside down. And some have just had a very boring, normal week. And wherever we find ourselves today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would meet us where we are at, both individually and then also as a church. Would you speak to us the things we need to hear? Would you please, in these small moments that we have together, would you do the work in the hearts of your people, myself included? And we open ourselves up to your activity and your way. And we pray this for your glory and our good. And everyone said joyfully, amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Uh, when I was a little kid, a young boy, my dad, uh, he worked at this corporate office of this upscale prominent dining experience. Um, this organization really wanted to be the best at what they did. And they put a lot of time and energy and money into being the best that they could. And uh, some would even say that their food and their experience was only fit for, like, royalty. It was so good. So what I'm trying to say is that my dad worked at, at Burger King. Um, and he felt really cool about it. it. It was cooler back then. Still not great, but still cooler back then. Uh, but because of this, my dad worked in the corporate office, and he would move around. And his job was literally to go in stores that were, like, failing and not meeting their numbers and fire and rehire everybody. He was tough. Like, if he came to your store, game over. Like, not a good thing for your store. And we ended up in Florida at this time. And if you're wondering, no, my parents did not take me to Disney World. And yes, it's a deep wound. And yes, I'm still working towards forgiveness. Uh, but we landed at this church. It wasn't a big church but it was a proper Pentecostal church. Now, if you are alive and you have never been to 
a Pentecostal church, may I just encourage you before you pass, go. Okay, just go once. Like, it is so both confusing, encouraging, helpful, uh, distracting, all the things. It's incredible. They're great. I mean, like, I grew up in that, so I, I feel like I can say that. But uh, it was insane to see, like, people slain in the spirit. I'm like, what does that mean? Why are they being slain? Like, I don't get it. And dancing in the aisles, people speaking in tongues with no translation. I'm like, why? I don't know what you said, and I don't know how that's helpful, right? But that was my experience. I was also only four, so I didn't really know a lot. So one winter, which doesn't feel like the right way to, the right word for it when you find yourself living in Florida, uh, this church was like, we got an idea. Why don't we bring this theatrical play uh, to our church? And this play was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Has anyone heard of this? Okay, some people have. Uh, Now, this was a funny, funny idea. The idea was like, hey, let's do this theatrical play, run it for a couple weeks and get people saved. Now, the whole idea of this play was how can you scare people into heaven? And let me tell you, it worked. Like, it scared the literal hell right out of me. Like, anything that was in me, it was right out. And I gave my life to Jesus because I did not want some creepy demon figure chasing me around. And let alone the whole eternity thing. And as a mature four-year-old, I knew a good thing when I saw one. So, I received Jesus. Now, that was my experience. And I'm sure... Uh, you have your own experience. We actually, in fact, all do. If you've come to faith, you have your own story, your own journey. And some of you have even weirder stories than that. Some of you have more complex stories. And some of you have miraculous stories. But wherever you find yourself today, we want to focus in on something that Jesus calls us to do and asks us to do as a form of obedience. And that is actually talking about him and sharing what we call good news or gospel. And so last week we started a series called Sharing the Gospel, and Andrew did a great job of identifying that the landscape of sharing your faith has vastly changed, and that the language, the place, and the time it takes for people to accept this good news, it's not like it has always been. It's different. We're in a new time. We're in a different time. And we need to be aware that as a culture, uh, the, these things have changed, and with it, some of the effective methods for sharing our faith. So last week, Andrew shared on why. I encourage you, if you didn't listen to that, go back, listen to it when you have a chance. But today, we're going to move through the really the how and the what of sharing your faith or evangelism. Now, before we really get into the how and what, we have to address just something that is really important. It's the elephant in the room, for lack of a better word, because there is actually a very real problem, and I think we all know it. And even though we might not always be able to actively identify it, we can sense it. Let me explain. So our our culture for a while has been shifting for uh, some time, about the last decade or so. And with the rise of technology and our world becoming becoming more globally connected, we see this unity around some new-ish ideologies. One new-ish ideology is that feelings are supreme. And you are to prioritize your feelings above all, even if that means it's oppressive to other people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Like, look at culture now. This idea that how you feel about something is the most important thing or needs to be prioritized as the most important. Uh, Dallas Willard, he said it years ago brilliantly. He said, feelings are good servants, but they are disastrous masters. Feelings are good servants, but they are disastrous masters. There has been a shift from living in line with and under the word of God and to doing what we feel. Um, I get to talk to people a lot. I love talking to people. 
and I love being able to uh, get to connect with people. But something that I hear on the rise now, more and more and more, are, are a handful of phrases, and I'm going to just kind of put together the, the overall themes of what I hear come up when somebody has, whether it's a question about the scriptures or if their life or worldview is not lining up under the scriptures. And they're phrases like this. Uh, I don't feel like a loving God would require a Christian sex ethic. I feel like it's just fine. We're just people. Like, we just want to do our thing. Or I don't feel like a loving God would judge my sin. I don't feel like God would even have sin be a thing. To which I say, it has nothing to do with how you feel. It's the reality of sin, the reality of life. And the shift has been that this book, the scriptures, uh, used to be more revered than it is now. There's been a rise of my feelings and my opinions, and we're slowly drifting from God's word and his way. Especially, and just to highlight because of our topic today, especially in the arena of sharing the very life-changing news of the gospel. So I believe it's safe to say, I just, I don't want to make any assumptions, but I believe it's safe to say that most of us will not feel like sharing our faith. That you won't wake up and be like, I can't wait to tell people about Jesus. Now, some of you are like that. Moses, you're real. He does that stuff. Not everyone's like, I, got, I cannot wait to tell people about Jesus, right? That, that does happen. But the majority of us are not necessarily wired that way or do that. Most of you won't this week be at Spoken Moto getting some work done and think, oh my goodness, I just want to put down all my devices, which, by the way, are my social safety net. And I, and I want to tell someone about God. And I want to tell them about this God that they can't see. And I want them to trust in this God to be completely blessed in this life and the life to come. And I want them to receive it, only to be viewed by that said person as socially awkward and not aware, right? Like, most of us are just not going to do that. And most of us haven't. And the answer, just to be clear, is not to be that person. We have enough weird Christian subculture stuff please do not add yourself to the mix, right? Of course you can share your faith with people, but what I'm trying to point out is that is not the most effective way that we see any longer. Of course having conversations, but it's going to be through a relationship, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Now, you might not feel like evangelism, but our king asks us to help other people experience this life-changing message. What happens when you are really excited about something? What do you normally do? You talk about, do you tell somebody about it? Why do you think beauty counter works? <laughs> Anybody? I use the product. It's amazing. I love it, right? And then all of a sudden, like, I want it too. And you cannot help when you really like something or you really, really are blessed by something. You cannot contain it. You tell everybody, even all the people that do not care and don't want to know, right? I don't know. I don't need beauty counter. Maybe, maybe some people would say I do. But, like, I'm, I'm not going to use it, right? But people tell me about it. I'm, it's, and it's fine, right? When people are excited or overwhelmed by or overjoyed by something, changed by something, they tell you about it. And this is a problem. And, and I want to let you know just even honestly as a little secret into my own life, I feel awkward about this part of my job. It's awkward. But honestly, when I think about this, when you and I take a second to step back, this is really an obedience issue. And I don't want to make it moral completely, but it is moral. Jesus said, hey, this is something I'm calling you to do. We'll get into it in a second. Living life the way God designed for our good and for others. Uh, it's not on the screen, but Deuteronomy 5, 33, you can jot it down. I'll read it to you. You can reference it later. It says, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and so that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the land in which you will possess. With obedience comes life to you, to your family, to those that are around you. 
And our cultural climate has changed so drastically in the past few years that having a random conversation with someone, as Pokemoto as an example, about faith, and then expecting that person to change on the spot or even to take that information and change later is very rare. And friends, just as a brother, I, we don't have the luxury of ignoring this issue. This is a central part of Jesus' teachings. Uh, Psalm 128 once says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord and who walk in obedience to him. You're blessed when you walk in obedience. Someone much wiser said that the methods change, but the message stays the same. Simply put, we need a new method. Uh, an author named Don Everts, he wrote a book called I Once Was Lost, What Postmodern Skeptics Taught Us About Their Path to Jesus. Great book. It's long. I encourage you to read it. But he highlights this idea and captures the fact that we rarely see people have an introduction to Jesus and then immediately convert to Christianity as a one-time event. We often don't see that any longer. Rather, we now see a series of what he calls mini-conversions, these little mini-conversions. And there's five of them. And the first one is in this uh, framework that he built. It's trusting a Christian. The first thing is trusting a Christian. So what normally happens now is you just begin to build a relationship and trust somebody who knows Jesus. And what does this require? Well, this requires that we actually... Uh, are, dare I say, normal people that have friendships, right? That have friendships that are uh, what we would call socially acceptable and not awkward, right? We, we don't have to be totally um, the best people, but we need to be like normal people. And honestly, I remember this. I was a pastor in Los Angeles, and uh, this guy had never been to church before, and he came in, and he sat in the back, and somebody in front of him, the, the worship was going, someone like Danny was leading worship, it's a really big part of the song, and this person in front of him just raises both of his hands, is like worshiping his heart out. And the dude behind him, the guy who had never been to church, drops to the ground immediately. And I was standing close. I was like, dude, are you okay? Like, I thought the guy had a heart attack. I thought something really bad happened. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. He was all shook up. And I was like, what's going on? Are you okay? And he said to me, he said, oh, no, like, well, we were singing this song, and it got all big and loud, and then this guy stuck his hands up, and I thought somebody had a gun, so I dropped to the ground. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah. it's really hard sometimes to explain our subculture to people that have no experience with Jesus, right? Like, and then I was explaining, oh, it's a, it's a posture, a physical posture, which represents the heart, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I still don't get it, still scared. You know, that was his, that was his disposition. So we need to understand, like, we have to step out of that for a second and just allow people to be friends and, and for us to befriend them. So it starts with just trusting somebody who knows Jesus. It starts with you building relationships. And if you're worried, like, what does Jesus think about that? He spent way more time with people that didn't know him or didn't believe in what he talked about than people that did. Just, just FYI, you're in line with Jesus when you spend time with people that don't know Jesus. Be in the world, not of it. The second thing we see is that that person then becomes curious. So you have a relationship with the Christian, and then this person, second space in this uh, mini-conversion is becoming curious. They see something in your life that is actually very attractive and appealing to them. They see that when you're stressed out, you handle it differently. The way you use your money is different. The way that you handle your schedule or anger or how you build out your life is different, and they're seeing a certain quality in which they actually desire. So they become curious because you're living a life that is, on the surface, maybe similar to theirs in the sense that you're alive and you're in America and it's this time. But your life, deeper down, is just so different that it becomes encouraging, appealing. So they become curious. 
And then thirdly, that usually leads to them being open to change. They are so attracted to what you are living in by the power of the Holy Spirit that they want some of that. So they're open to talk about it. And then fourthly, we usually see that person seeking after God because you as a Christian say, hey, I'll tell you my life. Like I serve and follow Jesus. I, my trust structures are outside of myself from my job security, my finances. I live in another kingdom. So that means like I don't worry about what's every single detail that's going on here. And you point them to God. You let God do the work. And then lastly, fifthly, we see them entering the kingdom. So now this is just one model, but we see this being more consistent in our day and time than maybe somebody, somebody hearing the news and then all of a sudden changing. So we need a model that suits our current time and culture. So how do we do this? What is an effective method today for evangelism? Well, at Riverbend, uh, we do something that we are so, so passionate about, something called Alpha. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we're all about it because we see God work in it. Uh, so many of you that are sitting in this space have either been to Alpha, Alpha, been through it. I've met you through that space, and it's been such a cool thing. But if you're new here or if you forgot what Alpha is about, I want to show you this quick one-minute video to give you a heads up of what it's about. Life moves fast, doesn't it? Every day there is so much to fit in. But do you ever stop and think? What's the point of it all? Do you ever ask yourself, is there more to life than this? Alpha is a series of sessions exploring life, faith, and meaning. It's a space to explore the big questions, to say what you think, and hear other people's points of view. First up, there's food, then a talk, followed by a discussion. Each talk explores a different aspect of the Christian faith, and then in the small group, you get to say exactly what you think. The aim of the talk is to spark conversation, each week unpacking a different question. There's no obligation to say anything, and there's nothing you can't say. Seriously. It's an opportunity to hear from others and contribute your own perspective in an honest, friendly and open environment. Why not try it out? So that is just a quick example of Alpha. Um, and if you're curious, like a little more clarity, what is Alpha? Alpha is a series of 15 interactive sessions that we usually run between anywhere from 10 to 11 weeks. And in there, we include a weekend away uh, where we basically get away and talk about things of the spirit, baptism, all sorts of things. And we explore life and the Christian faith in a friendly, open, informal environment. That's what we do. And everyone's welcome. Every single one of you are in process. One thing that we've seen with Alpha that's amazing is people coming into the kingdom. And what we've also seen is a ton of people who, have, who know Jesus and would say that they've started in faith, but at the same time would be maybe more uh, new in their faith. And we see that through the process of Alpha, their faith grow. They're starting to ask the questions that begin to trouble them or that have troubled them. Many of us in this room, believe it or not, have a lot of questions, don't we? Think about the stuff that you think about for a second. 
What are the things that hang you up in your relationship with God? And, and what do you do with those questions? Do you just get mad, angry, and just sulk in it? Or do you have space to talk about it? And if you have space to talk about it, are you able to actually find healthy answers to certain questions, right? We all have questions no matter where we are at. So Alpha is designed particularly for people who would not describe themselves as churchgoers or Christians. And there's no charge. Alpha's free. We run it every single week. It's a great opportunity. Now, if you're wondering, I just want to give you a little bit of the backstory of, of what Alpha is and where it came from, because that's actually important. So Alpha actually started over 30 years ago at a church in London called Holy Trinity Brompton. And it was originally developed as like a short course for people in the church. And it was, I believe, the year 1990, when half of you in this room weren't even born yet, um, Nicky Gumbel took over running Alpha, and he found that many people outside the church were warming up to this idea of having a space to ask questions and explore life, faith, and meaning. And today, if you fast forward to just last year, millions of people have tried Alpha and in more than 169 countries, and it's been translated into 112 different languages. It runs in every part of the worldwide church, the Catholic church, the Orthodox church, uh, the Pentecostal church, and all the mainline Protestant denominations. It's everywhere. And it's based on a pattern that you find and we see actually in the New Testament. As people who want to emulate and follow the way and disciple under Jesus Christ and follow him, we want to live our life the way he did. And this was his model. In the New Testament, we find people bringing their friends and family and work colleagues to Jesus to meet with him. Uh, if you remember in the scriptures, Andrew brought his brother Peter. Philip brought Nathaniel. Matthew had a party and he invited all of his work colleagues and he said, hey, come, come meet Jesus. He's here. He's hanging out here in this space. And Alpha is an easy way for you and for me to say to friends, come and see. Come and explore your questions. Come and hear about Jesus. Come and see it for yourself. Now, a natural question that always arises when we talk about Alpha is, what about Sunday? I mean, many of us grew up in a context uh, or maybe just have a cultural understanding that Sunday is the primary place where you share the gospel. Why don't we just let Andrew and Brooke do it, right? First of all, because that would be disastrous. I'm not particularly good at this, right? And I think Andrew in general would say, yeah, I don't want all that on my shoulders either, right? Like, why don't we just let these guys do it? Preaching on Sunday is a great space to share the gospel if three things are happening. The first, it, it works if you are inviting your unbelieving friends to church on Sunday. Now, we'll get to how real that actually is. But a lot of people, like I shared the example, are not always comfortable to just come into church as a first step of their faith and walking in faith. Secondly, um, it can be a great space if you have a good model for growing things, growing in things of the spirit, the idea of spiritual formation outside of your Sunday teaching or Sunday experience. And thirdly, it can work if you reserve almost all of your time exclusively on sharing the gospel during the teaching time on Sundays. So that's the model that it can work. Now, there's obviously, if you didn't notice, a few problems with this. And there are a few problems, in my opinion, of being a seeker church or evangelism-only church, which we're not against, just so we're clear. We're not against it, but we do feel like God has asked us to do something different. And here are a few of the problems. One, not many people feel comfortable or have the type of relationship with either coworkers or friends where they would feel comfortable inviting them to church. That's just, that's the reality. That's what the stats say, and that's what many of us experience, if we were being honest. Secondly, another problem is if we center our church around one part of the teachings of Jesus, we will end up saved but not thriving. 
Jesus' teachings make us whole, and they speak to each part of our life. You are a whole person. You are complex and beautiful, have lots of variations in your life. We need spiritual formation in that space. And thirdly, um, if Sundays are reserved for evangelism exclusively, then we, to use biblical language, will not will have a lot of new birth, but we won't have much maturity. What Alpha does and what it allows us to do as a community, as a church, it gives the same time and energy and attention to what happens for the Christian as to the non-Christian. It gives us the ability to honor where you are at in your process and honor those who are in a different place. And when we incorporate Alpha, we actually get to prioritize and follow Jesus in obedience to the person who doesn't know him or is not in his kingdom. It's not something we can ignore. Jesus' last words, Matthew 28, 18. I'll read them to you. It says, Jesus, undeterred, he went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and do what? Train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right to the end of the age. This is what Jesus asked us to do before going to heaven. He said, please use all of your knowledge, your intelligence, your understanding of history, and would you please join me in helping people understand the way that I lived so that they can experience it and lead others to do the same for their good, for the flourishing of your own life and the culture that you inhabit, to have experiencing of life now and in the age to come. That's what he asked us to do. Very simple to understand, very hard to do. So this allows us as a church, as we introduce and continue to do Alpha, this allows us as a church to focus more on spiritual growth in our Sunday's experience, and it also allows us to have a place and a pipeline for anybody that follows Jesus and Jesus followers new and old to grow and mature into things of the kingdom, which we're excited about. So this is going to be our focus on Sundays, that we grow in the things of the kingdom, that we take time to understand spiritual formation and grow in maturity. Then when it comes to Alpha, we're going to have a strategic heart posture towards those who don't know him, those who don't know Jesus or would call themselves non-Christians. Now, there's three things that with Alpha we try to be every single uh, time we run this program, every time we take three months out of the year to run this, we, we try to be three things. It's really our aim and our heart posture. The first thing we, we do is we try to be real. Uh, Alpha presents the reality of who Jesus is. He was a real person. He really cares for you, and he really wants you to flourish and thrive. And he, people experience Jesus' realness through us being real people with problems with being honest about our mistakes, being transparent about who we are. Those that run Alpha are real and authentic, and this allows guests to be real themselves. People are welcome at Alpha to ask any question with no pressure to contribute, no follow, they don't have to come back. You know, we, we actually, we're open to all of that. Uh, secondly, relational. Alpha is based on genuine friendships that are built up over a few weeks and often last for years afterwards. Many of you in this room have really deep relationships with those uh, who you met through Alpha. I was just talking to some people last gathering, same thing. And then we try to be reliant. We try to be reliant on the Holy Spirit because we realize that it is God who does the changing. God changes people, not us, not our special programs. Jesus 
works through his Holy Spirit to change people. And we get to be a part of that. And we get to host a space to introduce people to Jesus. No one can force anyone to believe anything, and that's not what we're saying. But we've found that over the years that as we give space for people to ask questions and focus on building relationships and rely on the Holy Spirit, that lives are changed in a deep, deep way. Um, the question is, what could this look like in your life, right? What does this look like maybe in a normal setting? For that, I just want to show you one more quick video of a unique story that I think helps us understand what I'm talking about. Growing up, I was in a very atheist household. It was my mother, my brother, and I. They didn't go to church. They didn't follow any religion of any sort. When I was 19, I was coming out of a really awful relationship that had lasted the good majority of three years. It was really hard on me mentally, emotionally, physically, just very dark and negative and toxic. I remember one day just being in the room alone, quiet and sad, and it felt like something was in the room with me, if you want to explain it that way. I just felt some something caring for me. And I asked the question, is this God? Is this, you know, Jesus trying to get through to me? So I was left with um, a lot of questions. there were a, quite a few like curious people there, either people that had grown up in a Christian background or had known people. I wondered what it would look like just to host an alpha for my friends and particularly my coworkers. I was definitely pretty nervous just because obviously it's really easy to make a name for yourself at your workplace because you're there all the time, whether it's like, oh, you could be like the really fun one or it's like very easily you could be like, Oh, that Christian that always asked people to go to church. And I didn't want her to think that our friendship was just so I could invite her to church. So Ash and I were working a shift together. Uh, we were walking past each other and she stopped me from where I was going and just said it very directly, casually, I want you to come to an alpha. What day is gonna work for you? What day is consistent for you? And I was immediately drawn and ready to um, participate in it. There's not really a, like a super easy way to do it. Um, there's no, if you're ever waiting for like the right time, there's like, there's t times that are better than others, but there's not like a time that it really like, you're, this is the moment. So I showed up at Alpha for the first time. Um, it was very welcoming, very casual. Uh, lots of people that I knew were there all my age. So, you know, you walk in, people were hugging, people were saying hello, people were catching up, there was food there. So it just felt like you were going to hang out with your friends. A lot of people had questions just like I did. They were either atheist, Christian, um, nothing. Like they just had the same questions as me. So I felt very comfortable knowing that I wasn't the only one who was exploring it. Maybe halfway, maybe like three quarters, we were just talking and it was discussion time. She's like, yeah, well like now that I'm Christian. And I was like, what? And I was like, uh, and I was like, kind of like look at other people that I, like, I know and I looked at them, they looked at me and I was like. Things just started to make sense for me. Things started clicking. In my past, there were like certain connecting dots mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And then, yeah, I think I just told you one day. Yeah. It wasn't like a huge big bang or like I saw the light or anything. It was just, 
I woke up, I'm like, this is who I am. Yeah, I just, I like firmly believe, like obviously it wasn't me that like brought you to Christ and like gave you this life. It was like, I was just being like faithful. It's like God's call and that looked like inviting you. And then he like did the rest and he like obviously like does so much for your life. And I think you just kind of helped me like see a little clearer or like yeah. help me yeah, move a little bit closer. Yeah. God pulled through. They just put the little bow on the end with that music, didn't they? Um, that's just one story, right? That's just one story. I know it was hard to see. I apologize. But I think you got the context, the idea. And if you're like, wait, wait, she said everyone was my age. Don't worry. Every single age and demographic and no matter where you're at in life is represented and welcome to Alpha. But what could this look like in your life? Could you just take a second to replace these two young women with friends, with your friends, with your family? Think of the stories and life-changing transformation of people coming to faith in Jesus, who you know. So I want to give you a few details. If you're a detail person, this is your moment. I'm going to give it to you, and then we'll end with something deeper. But uh, we're going to kick this off with a really big uh, launch party. We do every single time before we start our Alpha Weeks, uh, our 10 dinner conversations together. We always start with a big launch party that you will not be embarrassed to invite your non-Christian friends to. It's not a socially awkward meetup that you'll have to apologize to your friends or family the next day. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, last time, well, a couple times ago, we rented out Spoken Moto. We had like 150 people there. Great food, live music, drinks. It's a great time, and we're going to do the same. Uh, stay tuned to where our launch party and weekly gathering is going to be, but we're looking for some spaces right now. And uh, in March, we're going to start our next round. So again, we're going to get actual dates, actual times to everybody, but we just want to let you know this is happening in the next few months. And at that event, when we all gather together at this big launch party, we invite people to uh, join us for these questions that they might have and to have conversations about life, faith, and meaning. So uh, we want to make it easy for you to not uh, to invite your friends and not to make it awkward for you. And this will be a place that we can invite uh, each person for the coming weeks. Now, each person in our church plays a role. Each of you play a role. Some of you are going to be hosts who are like gracious hosts and going to help host the conversation, which is a very important role. It's so important that we have literally two weeks of training uh, for you to step in that space because you would be so surprised how hard it is to listen to people's question and not be the super Christian that wants to give them all the answers. It's really, really hard to listen actively and not just be the person like, well, you need to believe because you believe. Like that's that's unanswered, but it's not the best answer. And so what we want to do is learn how to be thoughtful in our responses. So maybe you're a host where you're hosting a conversation. Don't worry, we'll take you through training. Or maybe you're a helper, someone who's actually there helping the event actually happen, praying. Maybe you're a person who comes here and prays as we do these gatherings. And as you can imagine, um, this is a huge undertaking. So we have a whole team. I'm so honored to be able to lead Alpha here at Riverbend, and we have a whole team, which we're going to announce to you soon. Um, but we're going to be starting this in March, and we can't wait. And so the three things I just want to encourage you to think on this week, to pray through this week, three questions to ask yourself. Uh, first, who is God putting on your heart? Who's the person? Last gathering, I, I was walking to the restroom, and a guy walked out. And before I could even go in, it was kind of aggressive. I was wanting to go to the restroom, but he wasn't going to let me because he wanted to tell me that. He's like, I got my person. I know the person. I know the person's name. And I was like, that's great. Can I use the restroom? And he's like, no, but I want to tell you his name. So who's your person, right? Who is God putting on your heart? 
Who is telling, like, who is God saying to you? I, I, this is the person. Who's God asking you to invite? And then thirdly, how is God asking you to obey? Now, these questions, I, I would just encourage you, don't try to answer them in this moment. Let these be questions that you process through, pray through, sit with throughout this week and ask God. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be announcing, like I said, dates and times. We're going to have a 21-day uh, prayer time for this exact activity. But we just want to prime your heart or get you into the space where you're thinking about this with us actively of who God might be wanting to speak to you about and invite to. A quick note on something around the idea of prayer. Um, many of you in this room, and I, I talk to you all the time, many of you in this space uh, are still discouraged about maybe a lack of answered prayer specifically in this area. You've been praying for people for a long time and you haven't seen the results in which you would hope for. Or some of you are praying for healing around something and you're disappointed because the prayers just have not seemed to produce what you would hope. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to lose, for me to lose heart, to, to lose perspective and to lose the joy or maybe even some of the tenacity around praying fervently when I don't see results. And for that, I just want to share a quote with you from a man named Frank Laubach, who is a great, great man. His story and ministry are powerful, way beyond what, what we understand. But he writes this about prayer, and I think it just helps frame our hearts around this topic of praying for others and prayer in general. It says this, prayer is powerful, but it's not the power of a sledgehammer that crushes with one blow. It's the power of sun rays and raindrops, which bless because there's so many of them. Instead of one minute a day, he says, we Christians must learn to flash hundreds of instantaneous prayers of people near and far, knowing that many prayers may show no visible result, but that at least some of them will hit their mark. When you fill a swamp with stones, a hundred loads may disappear under the water before a stone appears on the surface, but all of them are necessary. Can I just encourage you to not give up? When you think about a little plant, if it gets one minute of the rays from the sun, it will never thrive, it will never grow. But if it has 12 hours of sunlight in a day, amazing, miraculous things happen. It's not one raindrop that waters the earth. It's hundreds of millions and billions of raindrops that feed the soil of the earth. And our prayers are like one raindrop at a time. And I think that perspective for you and for me hopefully does what it did for me, which is give you a little bit of faith that you are making a difference even though you don't see it. That person that you've been praying for, keep praying for them. The healing that you're asking for, keep asking. What does Jesus say really clearly? Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. And just to remind you today that this is not in vain. When you go on a prayer walk and you see no visible result, know that you just deposited and built up in the savings account of heaven, you are building up something with God together that one day will break through. So don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on these situations. To end, I just want to share a quick story. Um, we've been running Alpha here since 2019, and uh, we had this wonderful weekend away, as, as we mentioned, and we rented out some rooms at um, Subtle Lake. Uh, many of you know about that lake. And we rented some rooms at the Subtle Lake Lodge, and we had these meals and conversations around the Holy Spirit and baptism and all sorts of things. And the weekend was beautiful. 
rich conversations, all like people praying for one another, people that would say that started and didn't know Jesus or would have never come to church are like asking for prayer, saying they're feeling something from the Spirit, just beautiful things. And someone uh, that recently had come into faith, I think through Alpha, they said, hey, you know, this is kind of crazy, but I, I think I need to be baptized. We were talking about baptism. They're like, I think I, I'm receiving and trusting Jesus, and I think the next thing is to be baptized. Uh, I'd like to be baptized in the lake. And I was like, that's amazing, but it's March, and there's still ice on the lake, and there's still snow on the ground. Are you sure you want to be baptized in that lake? Which meant I have to, I obviously had to get in. Uh, I was like, are you sure that lake? And they're like, yes, I just feel like I have to do it. It's about obedience. I need to do it. And I'm just like, well, I can't turn this down. Like, well, this is exactly what we're talking about. And so I share with the group, hey, we're going to be doing baptisms. Um, we're going to be doing baptisms. And uh, why don't we join in, at about 30 or 40 minutes down by the water and celebrate with this person? And this created this incredible trickle effect. Have you noticed that when one person is obedient, how that, like, encourages or helps other people be obedient in the same area? And there was all these people that had either yet not been baptized before or uh, just had walked completely away from Jesus, were baptized in infancy, or came into faith, and just all said, I think we had like eight people in total that basically said, I want to be baptized too, I need to be baptized too. Uh, Brittany Avery, I think I remember you said, she had, we were praying before, and you're like, I, we were praying like a couple days before for the weekend away, and she had this word, and she's like, I know this sounds super weird, and if you know Brittany, she's like so sweet and not going to like overstep, but she's like, I, this, the Holy Spirit said, bring pants. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? Uh, like, oh, planning on it. <laughs> planning on it. Uh, okay. Got it. Bring, and I think it was bring extra pants, something. I, I, if I'm butchering it, Brittany, you can correct it later. Um, but it was a, along those lines. And I just remember like, what are you talking? Like, what is that? Like, I have no idea. Come to find out that I definitely needed more pants because we, we started to baptize these people. And as we uh, walked into the freezing, and I mean freezing water, uh, and people all the way, full submersion baptism. I was in there, I can't remember how long I was in there, but it was definitely painfully numb by the end. And I just remember these people going all the way under and coming up to new life in Jesus. It was so powerful. Nothing we did, nothing we created, nothing we planned. The Holy Spirit just had stuff and an agenda that we didn't, and we got to partake and participate, and it was beautiful. That said, there was a bartender who was making drinks and out her window was this perfect view of where we were baptizing. We had no idea, we just were baptizing. And she's making drinks and she stops and she's just overwhelmed by emotion. She has no idea why, she doesn't know Jesus. And this went on for a while and she felt like she had to do something. And so she just starts gathering towels and she brings towels out and she just starts bringing towels. And we're like, this is, thank you so much. It's freezing. Thank you. We really appreciate this. And we come back in and I just stopped and, and, and saw her face and saw something was going on, saw that she was visibly moved and stopped and talked to her and just said, are you doing, are you okay? I don't know this lady, but it seems to be like, it was like the spirit was doing stuff. So I was like, I'm going to dive in. Are you okay? And she's like, I, I don't know what that was. I don't know what you believe, but that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen here in my life. And I, I do want to know more about and so we just had a conversation about it. I have no idea what she did with that conversation or what she did with that information. My hope is and prayer is that she trusts Jesus. But the point of all of this is when we step into obedience, crazy things happen. Crazy things happen. Beautiful things happen. If you're a person that's a control freak, start obeying. Like, 
in every single way. Watch how your life is blessed and you realize that control is not freedom, it's death. Jesus gave you so much through obedience. And so we, as a church, want to actively step into obeying Jesus when it comes to telling everybody about him, training other people how to do it. This is just one way. And I'm sure in time, this method's gonna change, but you know it's gonna stay the same. And we're gonna continue to think intelligently, logically, and thoughtfully about how we tell people about him and teach people how to do the same. We're gonna pray. Stand with me. song, the tables are going to be open. You can grab the bread and cup and you can go back to your space. Uh, and then we have people that would love to pray with you. And if for whatever reason, that word about addiction and God being able to free you is at all from the Spirit and at all for you, uh, there's men and women that would love to pray with you, that are going to love you, not shame you, not judge you, but embrace you and pray with you and help as they can through the power of the Spirit. So if that's you, please step back there today. Follow the prayer hands. You won't miss it. For the rest of us, we're going to respond by taking the bread and the cup and by singing and by giving. And so let's sing now. The tables are open. 